Isn't that good? Hey, I'm glad to be here. How about you? Give me some love. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Hey, keep them going. Let's welcome everybody watching online real quick, too. Fired up that you're all here with us. Hey, my name is Tony, and I'm one of the pastors on staff, and I'm thrilled that you've joined us, thrilled that you've uh, decided to come. I don't tell you this enough, but I absolutely love, love this church. I love each and every one of you, and and I, uh, I'm just excited, excited about a brand new series, excited about what God's been doing in the past, and what he's been doing in our past has just been crazy. It's only been a year and a half, but what we've seen God do has just been miraculous. Just so you know, the relationships that I now have that I didn't have before we started the church, I just will be forever grateful for the stories of life change and, and really the hope that I hope is spreading throughout our city and our county and the counties that surround us. I, I just am so thrilled to be a part of it. Thanks for making this church possible. You know that without you coming, without you know, us doing this thing together, we don't really have a church. It doesn't, it's not really what it's about, and so it's a big deal that you're here. Thanks for being here. Um, hey, like Sam said, we're starting a new series today called The Pursuit of Happiness. It's actually a six-week series, and I couldn't be more excited about the different kind of weeks that we have planned, and uh, just a couple of them that are coming up is Mother's Day is right on the horizon. We're going to have a great Mother's Day service, and then the week after, we're going to do our next round of baptisms. And so maybe for you, if uh, you've never been baptized before, and quite possibly if you've given your life to Christ over the last few weeks or even months, uh, that might be your move. That might be your next step. We kind of say it like this all the time here at City Point. If you've taken a step over the faith line, if you've moved your hope and trust being in yourself, kind of what you can do, to what Jesus has done for you. You've made that move over the faith line, and if you've started a relationship with Christ, we would love to see you kind of do your next obedient move of being baptized. That's uh, all throughout the pages of Scripture. That's kind of how it went down. If you accepted Christ, what your next step was to get baptized, and you won't be alone on this one. There's already people excited about it, and you can let us know uh, on the back of this connected card in your program. The last thing, though, that I want to tell you about is that rounding out the series, we're going to do a child dedication. And so maybe you've had a baby recently, or maybe uh, you didn't get involved in the last one. We would love to see that happen. It's actually the last week in May that we'll do that, and it's just going to be a great, great series. But like I said, this series is called The Pursuit of Happiness. Kind of a fun title, The Pursuit of Happiness. There's a great movie made by that with Will Smith. But so often I hear people say, I just want to be happy. You ever heard somebody say that? I just want to be happy. I just want my life to be happy. I want life to be a little bit happier. Well, oftentimes it's associated with something like, I want my kids to be happy. Or if I just had more blank, I'd be happy. If I just had more money, then I'd be happy. If I just had a few less pounds around my spare tire area, then I'd be happy. That's mine for me. If I had a nicer car, then I'd be happy. If I had a nicer car. My neighbors who didn't have to see my rust bucket suburban might be happy. You know, there's just a lot of things that might make us happy. If I could travel more, oh, I'd love to travel more. I would just be happier. The truth is, though, happiness is sort of a temporary fleeting deal. I mean, you can be happy one minute and then have something happen the next, and it just flies away. Your happiness is just totally, you kind of wish your water, it just happens, and then it goes away. Uh, I get a temporary feeling of happiness, just so you know. I get a temporary feeling of happiness whenever I go out to eat because I get to leave the mess there, not in my own kitchen. You ever feel me on that? You're just like, let's just go out to eat tonight so we don't have to clean up. Total lazy move on my end. But I get happy when we do that. I get happy when I get a new pair of shoes. I love new shoes. I love new Nikes. And I just love that. If I get a new pair of shoes, I'm happy. If I watch a good 
Rocky Balboa movie, I am totally happy. And I tell you what, I love a Rocky Balboa. Carrie hates it because I end up trying to talk like him for like the next two days. Like, hey, yo, you know, <laughs> time for bed, you know, and just it doesn't really fly in our house. But whenever I do something active, I get a temporary feeling of happiness, but the flip side is just as true. My happiness can go away if I have a bad waiter or a waitress at the restaurant that we go to. My happiness just goes out the window. If I'm at finish line and they don't have size 14, you know, Nikes, my happiness is just gone. Or if Carrie makes me watch a movie like this, then my happiness is completely shot for the rest of the night. I mean, the Princess Diaries, you've got to be kidding me, you know. My happiness can ebb and flow. And the truth is, we are starting a series where we look at what that's all about. Because if we, all we have is this temporary burst of happiness, we don't have anything that sustains us really, then what are we really doing? I mean, if all we are is an up and down roller coaster of happy feelings, I don't know if that's really all that I can handle. I, I hope there's something more, and the truth is there is. So over the next six weeks, we're going to spend entire uh, series looking at one book of the Bible, it's the book of Philippians, and we're going to spend our time there because this book alone is jam-packed with some of the best verses on all of Scripture. It has kind of 15 different mentions of this word joy, and I'm telling you what, it just is packed with some good stuff. Here's just a couple verses to get the conversation started on this book. In, in Philippians alone, it talks about this verse of 4.13. It says, I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. I love that verse. Love that verse. Another verse found in there is, I focus on one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Love that verse. Another verse that's just powerful is, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. And then it rounds it out in 4.8. It says, fix your thoughts on what is true. Love this. Kind of focus in on what is true, what's honorable, what's right, pure, and lovely, and admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. I mean, so oftentimes I could use a little dose of that in my life. Instead of getting my, you know, revenue stream from Facebook and Instagram, maybe I could focus in on some things that are actually good and true. But one of the th reasons that I love this book so much, to be honest with you, is the setting in which it was written. So the guy who wrote the book was named Paul. He's the Apostle Paul, kind of wrote a bunch of the New Testament. But he writes it from an interesting place, a place where you would not kind of associate him to write a book that's a lot about joy and a lot about kind of the, the, a life of joy. He writes it from a prison cell in Rome. See, he had been out telling people about Jesus and people got real upset with him, beat him up bad and threw him in jail. And it's while he's in a prison cell, in a totally not happy setting, that he pens this book, four chapters of some of the best written stuff in all of scripture, where he tells people, hey, I want to encourage you. I want to root you on. I want you to be full of joy. And he just spends chapter after chapter making it really clear that your joy can be made true. You can have joy that sustains. And here's the deal. I wonder how many of us spend our life on a pursuit of happiness when in reality we're hoping to find sustaining joy. We spend our life kind of going after the next thrill of happiness. What can I do to make me feel happy? When in all honesty, we're looking for sustaining joy in our life. See, in these four short chapters, Paul makes it really clear that happiness is dependent on what happens to me. What happens to us? 
That's what happiness is. It's dependent on the happenings around us. But joy is something different. Joy is actually dependent on what's in me. Love that. I'm going to do it a little bit slower. Happiness is dependent on what happens to me. It's these external situations, circumstances that happen. But joy is something radically different. Joy is dependent on what's in me. It's what's in me that sustains me. It's what's inside of me that fuels me. I love that. Because then it means that our happiness, our joy, isn't just going to be a fleeting thing that comes and goes. That God What's in you can actually sustain you and take you to the place that you need to. Now, I love one of the key verses in all of the book of Philippians is 4.4. And Paul kind of talks about this joy stuff right here in the verse. It says this, always be full of joy in the Lord. It says always be full of this. Don't have a moment where you're not full of joy. It says always be full of joy. And then a key part in this is in the Lord. Always be full of joy, but you have it in the Lord. He says, again, I say rejoice. Make sure that you're in the Lord, he's saying. Because the truth is, if your joy is in anywhere else, if your happiness is dictated by anywhere else, it's going to let you down. But Paul's going, if you want joy that sustains, if you want a life that you're not just on a pursuit of happiness, you're going to need to find it in something, and it's in the Lord. He says, you can find joy, but it's got to be in the Lord. And so can I ask you a quick question? Are you in the Lord right now? That might be a different way of wording it for you. Have you stepped over the faith line? Have you given your life to Christ? And maybe some of you are here and you're going, no, I haven't done that, but then I would love to just ask you, how's your joy right now? How's your happiness factor? Have you been struggling with that? Do you find yourself at high highs and then low dips? You know, I've found in my own life that when I'm in the Lord, when I have Christ at the center of my life and I'm giving all I am to him, I have a sustaining joy that just keeps me, keeps me. But Paul says, always be full of joy. And the question that I ask oftentimes is, how do you even do that? I mean, unless you're Sam, our campus pastor, I mean, how do you actually have joy? I mean, that guy rides a high like nobody does. You know, not like this high, like a, like a good high, you know. <laughs> I'm glad you're alive, you know. Like, he just does. I mean, he's just happy all the time. But how do you do that? Well, Paul explains how in the first chapter. And I'd like to share just three of the reasons, how, three of the ways uh, how you do that. He actually describes a little bit of a clue in verse 10 of chapter 1. He says, I want you to understand what really matters, he says. What really matters. He says, if you want to have a chance at having joy in your life, sustaining joy, you better know what really matters. So for the remainder of our morning, if you want to grab your note page, you can grab this out. I want to share three things that really matter. If you want joy, if you want this, I want this. We all do if you want this in your life, three things that matter. The first thing that you can jot down that really matters is Jesus. Really matters. Not a shocker to anybody in church today to hear that being the first fill in the blank, but Jesus, he actually really matters. If you want joy in your life, what you've done with Jesus really matters, friends. So the truth is, last weekend at Easter, uh, we shared two reasons why I think putting your belief and hope in Jesus is the absolute best and most important decision you could ever make. The first reason I shared was your sins can be forgiven. 
All throughout the New Testament, it talks about Jesus saying, your, your sins are forgiven. In Romans, it talks about our sins being forgiven, that our sins can be washed away, that he can make us clean. I'm telling you what, Jesus matters for our joy because he can remove our sins from us. Another way of saying that is the regrets that you have, the regrets that have bogged you down, held you captive. I mean, so many people walk around with regrets that are leading their life. And it's no wonder that they don't have joy because they're so focused on the past. They don't know what to do with the hurts that they've experienced in their life. And Jesus is the single person who can take your hurts, your baggage, your sin, and your regrets, and he can forgive them and make them clean. He can take you right where you are, junk and all. He did it for my life, and he's done it for so many people in this room today. Best reason why you could ever accept Christ in your life is just to know that your sins are forgiven. The other reason that I shared on Easter Sunday was that your life can be changed. Friends, Jesus matters for your joy because your life can actually be changed. There's so many people that I know who have been burdened, who've been set free, who maybe have been lost and just didn't have any purpose, who found purpose and hope in their life just because of Jesus. We actually showed a video last week of about 10 or 12 of our friends around here at City Point who just were vulnerable enough to share their life-changing moments that they've had with Jesus. It's incredible to watch. People who have been burdened by different sin had Jesus come into their life and just have been set free. People who have been lost and not really sure what to do, kind of navigate where to go in life, go, I feel like I found purpose. People who have thought, you know what, I thought life is just about every thrill that I could have and experience, kind of like chasing happiness. And another person said, you know what, for me, I found that true happiness, true joy is found solely in Jesus. Lives being changed. I'm telling you what, when it comes to joy, comes to getting this thing in your life you got to do what paul says you got to be laser focused on what really really matters and jesus really matters he really matters the truth is when it comes to starting a relationship with jesus having him in your life it's never been about what you do this is a big thing that we try and figure out here at City Point a lot. It's not about what you do, about pulling up your own bootstraps, you know, earning your way to God, serving, giving money, showing up to church. You know, it's never been about that. It's always been about what Jesus has done for you. Listen to what Paul says about that very subject in chapter 3. He says this, we rely on Jesus. We rely on what Jesus has done for us. Love that. When it comes to a relationship with, with God, with Jesus, we rely solely on what Jesus has done for us. And we put no confidence in our own effort. You see, I think there alone lies a ton of why we struggle with this pursuit of happiness. Because there's times where we feel like we're soaring in our relationship with God. We feel like, man, I'm taking ground, I'm doing the right things, and then life hits. And you start you know, swearing underneath your breath when you're building a playground for your girls like I did last week. You know, you're just like, where's this coming from? Like, why am I slipping? Why do I have these things kind of rear their ugly heads in my life? And you just, well, it's not about what you do. It's been about what Jesus has done for you. You on your own can't earn a relationship with Jesus. It's been solely from what he's done for you. So again, big question. What have you done with Jesus? What have you done with him? Jesus stands 
each and every one of us, just waiting, going, I am here to offer forgiveness, hope, joy, grace, and love to each and every one of you, if you're willing. If you're willing. If you want to have sustaining joy, you got to get clear on what really matters in life. And some of you have. Some of you, you're not really sure yet to do with this Jesus thing, but Paul makes it really clear. He goes, if you want joy, focus in on what really matters. And the first thing that absolutely matters is Jesus. Jesus matters. And maybe today is your day where you say, you know what, I got to give him my life. I got to accept what he's done for me and start a relationship with him. The second thing, if you're still writing notes, is others matter. Others matter to your joy. The people in your life actually matter. People who surround you, the others in your life, they actually matter. Who you have in your life matters. Paul makes this really clear at the beginning of this chapter in verses 1 through 4. He says, I'm writing this letter to all of God's people. He's, he's talking to a group of people in his life. He says, I'm, I'm writing this to all of God's people in Philippi who belong to Jesus. He says, may God our Father and Lord Jesus give you grace and peace. And then I love this next sentence. So good. He says, every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. And whenever I pray, he says, whenever I pray, I pray for all of you with joy. Paul says, the people in his life matter so much. And he spends time thinking about them. He spends a lot of time thanking them. That's why he wrote this book. And he spends time praying for people. So it begs the question, the people in your life right now, do you think about them throughout your day? What comes to mind? Are you just begrudged every time you, your spouse comes to your mind? It's like, oh man, I gotta get Or are you thinking and are you thankful for them? Because Paul says, I think about you and I thank God for you. And then in addition to all that, I spend time praying for you. Paul had joy. He had sustaining joy in the middle of a Roman cell because he spent time thinking about the people he loved and thanking them and praying for them. Can I just ask you again, who are the people in your life that you think of? Do they know that you think about them? I was thinking about this later, earlier this week. I was like, does my wife know that I think about her all throughout the day? I mean, how, many, how hard would it be for me to pick up my phone and just send her a quick text just going, I love you, I'm thinking about you. I know for a fact that would light up her world. The people closest in my life, do they know that I think about them? The people closest in your life, do you thank them? Do they know that you're thankful for them? Your kids, your, your parents, your grandparents, do they know that you're thankful? Your coworkers that you enjoy, I mean, you don't enjoy everybody, but the people that, you know, that are closest to you, do you thank them? There's something that happens. When you start expressing your thankfulness, I actually think there's a direct link between gratefulness and joy. And when you get that figured out, friends, you're on your way to finding sustaining joy, Paul would say. Are you thinking about people? Are you thanking them? Are there people in your life that you pray for? I mean, when's the last time you prayed for your family? These are the people that God gave you. Paul's going, if you want joy, you got to get clear on what matters. Jesus really matters. Others really, really matter. I remember starting this church and just having lots of meetings in the early 
kind of months even before we started it, you know, the, the summer of 2015, and as I was getting ready to kind of really figure out who was going to be on the team to start staff-wise, I remember just kind of praying and, and going, I, I want Sam and I want Ryan on my team. These are two of my absolute best friends. Ryan's my brother. Sam's been a great friend of mine for years. And I thought, there's nobody else on the planet that I want to start this church with. And some of the closest people in my life, I think about them a lot. I thank God that they're in my life. And I pray for these guys. And I just remember thinking, remember having meetings, telling people, hey, I'm starting the church. They're like, with who? I go, my brother. They're like, oh, that's such a bad move. You're never supposed to start up anything with your sibling, you know? And I go, and they're like, who else? And I go, yeah, my best friend. They're like, oh, that's a double whammy. What if you have to fire these guys? And I'm like, oh, shoot, I never thought about that. But I was like, I, but you want to know what pushed me over the edge? Is everybody I talk to about starting a company or starting a church or starting any sort of you know, business of that say, they said, it's the absolute hardest thing in the world. And who you surround yourself with matters. So you know who I want to start this thing with? You want to know who I want to surround myself with? The people that I love the most. This was a no-brainer for me. Friends, who's in your life? Who are the people in your life that bring you joy, that sustain you, that, that help fuel you. Paul would say, if you want joy, if you don't want to just be on this ever-long pursuit of ha- happiness that kind of leaves you up, leaves you down, find joy. Jesus matters. People matter. Others matter on this thing. Who's yours? Friends, again, my wife, closest person in my life. Does she know that I think about her, that I'm thankful for her, and that I pray for her daily? My girls, four little girls. And I think about them constantly. Do they know that? When I show up from a day in the office, do I get on the floor with them and go, oh, daddy's been thinking about you. I'm so thankful for you. I'm praying for you today. My neighbors. I mean, these are some of the people who've helped me out, become new friends. Do they know that I'm thankful for them, that I pray for them? You in my life, I'm thankful for you. I'm sorry I don't tell you that more. I'm just grateful for you. I pray for you guys often. But I'm telling you what, it's when I'm in a season where I'm doing that, when I'm following after Jesus with everything I've got, when I'm dialed in on the others in my life, when I'm just so joy-filled about them, that I actually see verse 9 come to play in my life. It says, Paul says, I pray that your love for each other would abound more and more. I mean, when's the last time your love has abounded, I mean, just ever increasingly. And I'm just, when I'm dialed in with Jesus, when I'm grateful for the people in my life, it just feels like that happens for me. And I wonder if you've experienced that in your own life. Again, can I just tell you, a random text message goes a long way. A really long way. Picking up your phone and calling somebody just randomly. And they're going to go, what are you calling me for? Just go, just, you're on my mind. Why? That's, that's what they're going to say. You're going to weird them out. And just because I'm thankful for you. What are you thankful about? I mean, they're just going to be weirded out. And you're going to tell them it's because I love you. And I'm praying for you. I'm telling you what, a handwritten note goes a long time. And for some of you, smiling at your spouse or your kids or your neighbors wouldn't kill you. So just put a smile on. You know, this would be huge. The people in your life really matter, is what Paul's saying. 
They matter. The third thing that really, really matters, friends, is you. You. Paul would say Jesus matters, others matter, and you really do matter. You matter to God. You matter to other people. The truth is God created you. He purposed you. He wants to see you develop. He wants to see you you know, become the best version of yourself possible. And that's why he says you got to spend time with Jesus because he's going to mold and shape and he's going he's to tell you about different things in your life that he doesn't want there. He's going to capitalize on your strengths. He wants the best version of you. Listen to what Paul says about this in verse 6. He says, in chapter 1, he says, I am certain, he says, I am 100% convinced that God, who began a good work within who? Within you. He says, I'm certain that God began a great work within you. But he's not going to stop there. He says that God will actually continue his work until it's finally finished. God wants to take you right where you are. Always does, always has been, forever will be. A God who accepts us right where we are. It's the beautiful thing of God's grace. But he says, I'm going to start something in you. And I'm going to continue it on. It's not always going to be easy. Sometimes growth doesn't feel so good. Remember like junior high school, you know, going through puberty, having your knees hurt. He's like, it's not always going to feel good. There's going to be some growing pains that happen with it. But I'm telling you what, when you allow God to do these things in your life, joy is on the horizon. I'm going to read that verse again. I'm certain that God who began a good work within you. Can I just pause and tell you? Some of you came in here today and you think you're junk. You think that there's nothing good within you. Can I just tell you God doesn't make junk? He doesn't. He didn't send Jesus to the cross when we celebrated last weekend for junk. He created you and he loves you. And I just wonder if there's somebody in the room who thinks you came in here today and you go, I feel like I'm worthless. Listen to this verse. I'm certain that God, who began a good work, you're a good work, he's got something planned for you, will continue his work until it's finished. I wonder if some of you in the room are going, that's my biggest hang up with God. I feel like every time I screw up, God's going to throw in the towel on me. Can I just tell you, there's not a quitter bone in God's whole body. Not one of them. He doesn't quit. You're not junk. He wants to take what he sees in you, and he wants to continue to mold and shape you into something amazing. He sees it in you. Some of you are feeling like everybody else has quit on me. Maybe you're here today and your spouse has quit on you. Maybe you're here today and your family has given up on you. They've thrown in the towel. Maybe it's a boss, co-worker, a friend. My fear is that maybe some of you have given up on yourself. But we don't serve a God who gives up. That verse says he's going to start something in us. He's going to continue to use us, and he's going to finish it. He's going to finish us, and he's going to make us into a wonderful masterpiece. He doesn't create junk. Friends, I'm learning it firsthand from my own life. A couple weeks ago, I 
did an exercise called a 360 self-awareness deal. Uh, our church was chosen by a big honking church in the Twin Cities. Uh, they identified us, and it was so humbling that they would consider to invest in us, and so they've invested in our staff. We've got to go up there. They've coached me up a few times throughout the winter, and and part of the, the kind of the commitment we have with this church, it's called Eagle Brook Church, is that I were to complete a personal self-awareness exercise where I would email out to 20 or 30 different people, people in my life, people that know me, have a little bit of relationship, you know, with me, my friends, my staff, my family, and some people in here, or to email them out and then ask them to give brutally honest feedback to who I am, what's going on in my life. Well, this last Thursday, not, not this last one, but the East, Thursday before Easter was my time to get my debrief. This is a bad timing. We don't do that before Easter if I find this out. But I learned a bunch about myself. I'm telling you what, it was an hour and a half video conference call where they read through 24 pages of responses that the people that I emailed this out to had given me. The first question was great. I mean, my happiness was at an all-time high. My first question was, what's Tony like at his best? And it was like, oh, I could do this all day. You know, like, what do you, basically, what do you love about Tony? And they just read through and they said, what do you think about that? And I was like, I think I'm awesome. I was like, give me number two. And the second question hit me right between the eyes. What's Tony like at his worst? And they read out answer after answer after answer after answer. And it didn't get much better throughout question number 12. And I'm telling you what, I learned a bunch about myself. I learned that God's done some awesome things in me, but he wants to do more. He's, it's almost like he's got a good start. We, we've got something going. We're heading in the right direction, but man, there were some things that, that through the trusted friends that I have, that they helped me identify that I'm struggling in. I just want to be vulnerable with you this morning and just share three of them. Uh, three of, they were all D's, by the way. I hate that. Nobody wants D's on your report card, but three D's. Said so, Tony, you're too driven. And this is, I mean, some leaders would go, no, you're supposed to be driven. You're supposed to, you're supposed to drive, you know. But yet, there's a shadow side to this that's really ugly. And my staff feels this. Maybe some of you have felt this. It says, I can be seen as close to others' ideas. And it just got me. I remember feeling like, oh, that's so true. Driven another D was distracted. I hated hearing this about myself. It says you can be seen as inauthentic. You're just distracted. I knew. I knew instantly that when I'm in the zone on something, when I'm all in and I'm driven and I'm just going after, I know I'm distracted by one thing and other people just feel that they're nothing. Maybe you've even felt that from me, and I just want to say sorry. Sorry, another D for me was distant. This is the hardest one for me to swallow. 
because it said it can be seen as shallow. These are mine. I'm going, oh, man. <laughs> you know, like, hold on. <laughs> I got to do Easter in a couple days. And I, how am I going to recover from that? The truth is, I recovered because of this one verse. If I can put it back on the screen, we'll see if we can do that. It says, I'm certain. I'm certain. I'm confident that God who began a good work within you, Tony, even with some stuff that you need to get working on, even within me, I'm certain that God can continue his work until it's finished. And I'm telling you what, that alone, that fires me up so much. For you, it might be an anger issue. You might say in your life, you've been just, I'm just an angry person. And I go, that might be who you are now, but God's got something so great in store for you. He's gotten so much better in store for you if you just let him continue. For others, it might be a secret sin. Something that you just run to over and over again. And I'm telling you, you're not who you are right now. God has something incredible in store. Don't buy into the lie that you're junk. Others of you, you're here and you're, I'm impatient. Never been able to fill in your own blank. Mine, I got three Ds, so you're not going to be worse than me. But I'm confident, I'm certain in this, that God who began a good work within you, within me, he'll continue until it's finished. And I'm telling you what, if you hold on to that, you hold on to you really mattering to God, that others, the people in your life, really do matter to God and to you, to Jesus. If you have him, I'm telling you what, it just conveniently spells joy. Jesus, others, and you. You will find sustaining joy. Paul says it's true. He says, always be filled with joy. And if you have those three things in your life, you'll find it. I'm telling you what, I gotta, I gotta switch gears because we're gonna end with an awesome song and I don't want us to go into the song down. If you can stand up with you, I got one last thought that I just hope will fire us up before we sing. You can put it on the screen for us, Lucas. Philippians 1.10. Paul says, if we can just grab onto this one. He says, I want you to understand what really matters. You want to know what really matters? Jesus, others, and you. When we have those things, when those things are in our life, we start to live. We start to experience life. Jesus would call it life to the fullest. And I'm asking if some of you today need to experience that. We're going to sing a song called This Is Living, a song that just kind of ramps up and goes, man, I was lost with a broken heart. Jesus, you've set me apart. This is living now. And maybe today you're here and you're going, I need to experience that. I need to experience what it's like to live with Jesus, to live with him being the center of my life. If that's you, I'm just going to ask you to pray. And we're going to get real excited when we sing. Let's pray and then we'll have the band take it away. God, thanks so much for doing great things in our lives. Thanks so much for being a God who loves us. God, I pray during these next few minutes, during this song, that you would do something inside of each and every one of us that moves us away from chasing happiness to finding 
sustaining joy. God, would you spur our hearts on? Would you help us to live with you as the center of our lives? God, would you help us to move from this idea of us doing more to this amazing truth of you already having done everything for us? God, that's living. No one knows what it's like to live with you. Thanks so much, Jesus, for who you are. We pray this in your name. Amen. Friends, you guys can sing along.